0: Well, good morning. 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 Wow, that was as weak as I've seen it in weeks. Let's try that again. Good morning. morning. That is a lot better. If you guys can do me a favor, if you're in the aisles, if you can take that basket of pens and pass it on through the aisles, uh, some other people will probably need a pen for that. Also, before the message, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse 11 in just one minute. But right before the message, I just want to talk to you about what we've been talking about through this entire series. Today is the eighth message in a 13-week series in the book of Ephesians entitled, People of the Kingdom. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the young Christians in the city of Ephesus, and that's why it's called Ephesians. And last week, Larry talked about the word unified. And in being a unified body, he talked about that every single person, meaning you, Every single person should be walking worthy of the calling that you have received. Well, today's message is entitled, Being Gifted People. And as gifted people, not only are we to walk in unity, but we are to be using our gifts to prepare and enlarge the body of Christ. You see, since the death of Jesus, his followers, meaning us, are the official, visible, and physical representation of Jesus to the world. Jesus left the responsibility of God's work to you and to me. The world sees and comes to know Christ only, only as they see him in you and in me and in his church. This morning, I wanted to open by sharing a letter from one of our church uh, families that really talks about what we're going to talk about today. And it's a letter that really touched my heart, and I want to share it with you. And it says, Dear Canyon Church Family, Grandma Virginia passed away Thursday morning. She was 96 years old and died peacefully in her sleep. She was a wonderful person with a gracious heart. She had a strong relationship with God and did not fear her death. Grandma was born in a small town in Mexico. She was born into poverty and was raised by a single mother. She married into poverty and raised five children in poverty. I can honestly say I never heard my grandmother complain, and I always witnessed her giving to others. Growing up, I thought my grandparents were rich because grandma was always delivering food and clothes to all the other families. As an adult, I came to find out that she didn't have a dime to her name. She was truly the person that would give away her last dime to a child in need. Grandma lived paycheck to paycheck, which did not allow her for extras like giving to other people, although she always still managed to give. The groceries that we used to drop off for her, she split in half and she would give it to her senior neighbor who did not have any other family members. And then it says, In her honor, we would like to donate what would have been her September utility money to the children in Juarez. Please buy a few kids some new shoes and clothes. Grandma was always big on giving underprivileged kids something new. She said everyone deserves something new once in their life. And on behalf of her five children, 20 grandchildren, 38 great-grandchildren, and 10 great-great-grandchildren, Thank you all for your prayers, sincerely the Saba and Legaspi families. You know, I would say that Grandma Virginia used her gifts to unite people, to help others and be a godly example to others. God was so evident in her life that it made a significant impact on those around her. Her gifts of mercy and her gifts of giving was so contagious that the family who wrote this letter still possess those gifts today and continue her legacy. The question for us this morning is, are you living a life worthy of the calling you have received? And do people see God in you? In other words, would people want to come to Christ because of the evidence of Christ in your life? Would people be able to write a letter like that about you? You see, it's not about the money that she gave. It was about the legacy that she left. I mean, what a tough question to wrestle with this morning, but a very important one that we all have to answer. You may feel that that's a lot of responsibility, but God in his infinite wisdom knew, he knew that that was going to be tough for all of us. So he equipped us with spiritual gifts. And we are to use these spiritual gifts to help grow the church into a more mature church, not only to help each other, but other unchurched people so that they could see our godly example and our unity. You know, there was a man who lived in West Texas during the Depression. His name was Ira Yates, and he was like any other rancher and farmer. He had a lot of land, but he also had a lot of debt. Mr. Yates wasn't able to make enough on his ranching operation to pay the principal and interest on his mortgage, so he was in danger of losing his ranch. With little money for clothes or food, his family, like so many others, had to live on a government subsidy. Day after day, he grazed his sheep over those rolling Texas hills, and he was no doubt greatly troubled, by how he was going to be able to pay his bills. Then a seismographic crew from an oil company came into the area and told him that there might be oil in his land. They asked permission to drill a well, and he signed the lease contract. At just 1,100 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels per day. Subsequent wells were more than twice as large. In fact, 30 years after the discovery, a government test of one of those wells showed that it still had the potential to flow 125,000 barrels per day, and Mr. Yates owned all of it. Can you imagine? This man was a multimillionaire, but was living off of welfare. You see, even though he owned it all, he didn't know it was there. So it is fair to say that you and I are a lot like Mr. Yates at times. We are heirs to a vast treasure, and yet we live in spiritual poverty. We are entitled to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and His energizing power, that power that can only come in the name of Jesus, and yet we live unaware of our birthright. Today, I want us to remember how spiritually rich we truly are. And Paul tells us this in chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And you can read with me. It's behind me on the screen. It says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then he goes on to say, Then, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I love the way he starts. He starts in verse 11. Notice what he says. He says, it was he who gave, meaning that it was a gift. When someone gives you a present, you don't have to do anything for it because it's a gift. And Paul, right before that in verse 7 says, but to each one, one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. These presents that we all have received are given to us because of God's grace. We certainly didn't do anything to earn them and we certainly don't have to pay for them. Paul in Ephesians talks a lot about God's grace and keeps reminding us that it is by God's grace that you have been saved, that it is by God's grace that you have been given the Holy Spirit and now is telling us that it is by grace that you have been gifted. These gifts that we have received are the expression of the Holy Spirit enabling us to minister to the needs of Christ's body, which is a church. The verb minister is a verb. It means to help somebody or to give something. There's action attached to that. And Paul tells us here that the spiritual gifts we've been, we've been given includes the gifts of being apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. But Paul also writes about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12, and he adds to the list. I've given you a list of those spiritual gifts at the bottom of your outline, and as I read this list, I want you guys to just circle anything that jumps out at you, anything that would stick out at you, and, it's, and it includes the gifts of being apostles, evangelists, shepherds, the gifts of wisdom, the gifts of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, distinguishing between spirits, which is discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, serving, encouraging, which is exhortation, giving, leadership or administration, and definitely the gift of mercy, Again in at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 Paul tells us that we shouldn't be ignorant about our spiritual gifts. Paul, Paul wants us, the church, you and I to know and understand the origins, the nature and the purpose of these spiritual gifts. If we are ignorant about these spiritual gifts, we cannot hope to learn why we have them and certainly hope to learn how to use them. This passage not only tells us what the gifts do, but what the give who the gifts are from. The church is a diverse place. Look around you. We're all different people. Some of you have grown up in the church your entire lives, are now raising a Christian home, and have never walked away from the church your your whole lives. Some of you guys were raised as Christians or maybe Catholic and walked away from the faith where you rebelled against God and turned from him. And if you're like me, some of us found a relationship with God later in life when we got married and we had kids. I mean, some people are wealthy and some are poor. Some are broke. Each of us comes from a different place. You guys all know that Pastor Larry was born and raised in Iowa. I was born and raised in Mexico. We all have different interests. He likes to water ski, and I like to eat. It's true. (laughs) We all have different ways of thinking. (laughs) Sorry. Different priorities, different jobs, different experiences, different skills. But... This is what God intended to make the body complete. Without you as part of that body, the body is not complete. But you see, that's where spiritual gifts come in. They create unity in a diverse body. When we see all the different gifts and the the, the different way that they work, we recognize that these gifts all come from the same place, which is the Spirit. In effect, they were designed to bring diversity in all the backgrounds and in personalities of the body, together in unity with one another, to create unity out of diversity. These gifts cannot be a source of this unity because the God who gives them is unified and is one. Thus, the gifts should be understood for what they are. They are gifts from God. We should eagerly seek them, be grateful for them, and appreciate every gift that comes from God because it is good. Perhaps the best recent example of how God uses his gifts to further his kingdom and to unify the body and to accomplish his work is our most recent trip to Mexico that we just came back from. Our main purpose on this trip was to construct. It was a construction trip. We were supposed to dig holes and put up a roof and extend their sanctuary, upgrade their electrical wiring, and we did a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, this was a manly man, ah, construction trip. And 27 manly men went on it. You would think that with that many men, we would be stepping all over each other and disagreeing on how to accomplish our task. If you guys can picture this for a minute with me, out of those 27 men, 14 of those men are business owners or executives of their company. Three of them were architects. One of them was an engineer. Most of them know a whole lot of construction and are highly educated. I mean, we had firemen and teachers and managers and graphic artists, and the list goes on and on and on. You guys get the picture. I mean, talk about spiritual gifts. These men represented most of the spiritual gifts that Paul talks about, including the gifts of leadership and administration, the gifts of teaching and shepherding and prophets and exhortation, and definitely the gifts of serving and mercy. From the sound of this, you would think that we had too many leaders, too many type A personalities, which in real life is really like a catastrophe waiting to happen. You would think that if you would put these guys in one room, that all you would be able to see is the sparks fly. Yet that didn't happen. One of the miracles that I have experienced on this trip is exactly what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, where he says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, meaning the gifts, is given for the common good, he says. Every single member of this team used their gifts for the common good and to build each other up. Every single member, of, no matter how strong their knowledge was or their opinion was, was able to step aside for the common good and to accomplish the task at hand. We were able to reach unity and be different parts of the body. I mean, it really was a beautiful thing to see and be part of. And I am sure that the women that just returned from India experienced the same thing. The problem is that most of us don't know we have these special gifts, or we know and we receive them and only use them for our own benefit. We become successful, and we focus on enlarging our own territory and gaining wealth. We provide the best for our immediate families, but we fail. We fail to recognize that they were intended for the body of Christ and his work. You know, Napoleon once pointed to a map in China and said, there lies a sleeping giant. Well, in the map, I guess it would be over here. There lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it will be unstoppable, he said. You know, I want to borrow from Napoleon this morning and tell you that the church in America is a sleeping giant, and if it ever wakes up, it will be unstoppable. You see, vast numbers attend church every Sunday, but unfortunately, that's about as far as their faith takes them. There is simply no doubt that if all church members were as active as Christ called them to be, the church would be unstoppable. Instead of lamenting all the bad things that are going on in our culture, the church would be actively engaged in transforming our culture for the common good. I read a shocking statistic in a Gallup survey, which discovered that only 10% of American church members are active in any kind of ministry. I mean, is it any wonder that the church in America is a sleeping giant? But what I think is more alarming than that is that that same survey said that 50% of church members have no interest whatsoever in serving in a ministry at all. Think about that. Half of all church members just simply don't want to get involved. They are comfortable staying on the sidelines and being a spectator. When asked to serve, we all know the right words to use. We say, I just don't feel called or led to do so. But Christ has far greater expectations than this for his church. He expects every Christian, he expects you, whom he has saved, to actively be using your gifts and talents that he has given you for ministry. But where do we start? Well, the first thing that we have to do is that we have to discover your spiritual gifts. If you're here and you've accepted Christ, you have been given a special gift or gifts. And Paul tells us this again in Ephesians 4. He says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And again, he continues that list in these other books. And if you don't know what your gifts are, then I encourage you to discover what they are. You can do this in several ways. You know, we offer a step class where we focus on discovering your spiritual gifts. We ask you to take a free online test and then we get together and talk about examples of how they may be used. 90% of the people that take our step class are actively using their gifts today for ministry. And if you're interested in discovering your gifts through our step class, then just write in the back of your response card, step, and I'll let you know where our next class is. You can also just take that same online test and get an idea of what they are. But again, the test only takes about 10 minutes. It's free. And if you're interested in taking that test, then write in the back of your response card, spiritual gifts test, and I, give me your email, and I'll send you a link with the test. And well, I've taken that test, and I've discovered that I have the gift of awesomeness. Can you guys believe that? <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't come with the gift of humility, but I'll take it. <laughs> no, but seriously, I did take that test about 20 years ago for the first time. And discovered that my top two gifts are the gifts of shepherding and administration. And I have to tell you, I didn't even know what they meant. I certainly didn't believe the shepherding one, the pastor one, 20 years ago. But 20 years later, I was called to be one and I became one. But I have to tell you that I sure wish that I would have started living for Christ earlier in my life. I mean, I have many things that I would have done differently, maybe even better. But I only have two regrets in life because I know the rest have shaped me to who I am today. One of them is that I wish I would have started playing guitar a lot sooner. I just think I would have been a lot better. Maybe not. At least that's what I tell myself. The second one is that I wish that I would have gotten involved in God's ministry a lot earlier in my life. I just wish that I would have accomplished more by now. Maybe reach more people for Christ. Maybe reach more people for eternity. The point is that I now recognize the importance of starting to use your gifts early in life. Folks, it's never too late to start using your spiritual gifts. Paul uses the word urge a lot. If you read through the book of Ephesians, he he uses that word a lot. He doesn't want to dictate what his readers do, but he feels so strongly about God's word that he uses the word urge, which means to implore, to appeal to, to encourage, even to beg. So I urge you to discover your gifts. The second thing is start using your gifts today. Paul says in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so, he says, that the body of Christ may be built up. Could you guys imagine having a beautifully wrapped gift under the Christmas tree? It has your name on it. Christmas rolls around, and you just leave it there unopened. Worse yet, it stays there for months and years. I mean, I don't know of a single person that would do that. Unfortunately, that is what some of us are doing with the gifts that God has given us. We leave them unopened and unused for months and years. Paul tells us that we are to use our gifts to prepare God's people for works of service, which means that every member, that means you of the body of Christ, is to be involved in ministry. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to equip other members so that the body can minister. The feet are not there for their own glory, but to carry the rest of the body so that each part can do its job. And in that way, the whole body can do its job. Think about that. If you don't start using your gifts today, you leave a critical piece missing. Paul also tells us that we do this so that the body of Christ, which is a church, may be built up and grow. If a body does not grow, then something is wrong it typically means that the body's not using their gifts. And it's easy to see how it affects the rest of the body if we don't start to use our gifts today. You know, I recall the day that I started to use my gifts for ministry. I have to be honest with you, I don't know what the gifts of shepherding meant at the time. I didn't know what the gifts of administration would look like. But there was something that I did, and I don't mean this in a boastful way, but I just said yes. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what it really entailed. I wasn't looking to specifically use my shepherding administration gifts because I didn't know what they meant. I simply said yes. I said yes when they asked me to lead a Spanish Bible study that became a church. I said yes when they asked me to be a missions guy. I said yes when they asked me to become a pastor. It took me a long time to see how I was going to use my administration and shepherding gifts. I wasn't waiting for the right opportunity. I just said yes. I'm going to be honest this morning and tell you that I was stubborn in the process. I, I tried to run away several times, but at the end of the day, I just said yes. Folks, you can go to all the seminars and fill your head with some great knowledge, but until you say yes to Jesus and start using your spiritual gifts and take action, you will not, and I tell you this because it doesn't come from me, but from the Word of God, you will not feel fulfilled in your life. Unfortunately, we live in a society where we expect instant gratification. We go to college and we look for a job that will satisfy our desires, and then we live happily ever after, right? But with God, you have to say yes first. And then he will take you, and he will mold you, and he will shape you, and then he will place you where he desires. The third thing that we have to do, we have to start using our gifts to unify the body. And Paul tells us in verse 13, until we all reach unity, he says, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is telling us to create unity in the body of Christ. I know we talked about unifying a little bit last week, but the purpose of each gift is to unify the body for effectiveness. When one member of the body begins to wage war against another member, the result is disease and ultimately death. Think about that for a second. In your own body, even a paper cut affects the way you do things let alone a migraine or a broken foot. And in the same way, if you're not using your gifts for the benefit of unifying the body, then the church cannot function well without you, specifically you, using your gifts. Men, when your wife isn't happy at home, does anything else function at home well? Ladies, when your kids are hurting so much, does anything else in the home function well? The reality of this answer is that we do move on, but not in unity, Paul is very clear here that we are to use our spiritual gifts until, he says, we reach unity. We know we are using our gifts when we feel unity in the home and in the church. These gifts are not like a ladder where the higher you climb, the more you get. They are like cabinets. The lower you make yourself, the more you will find. We are told about the gifts not to create conflict or tension, but to increase our appetite for them. Unify the church and seek the giver of these gifts and grow in our relationship with Him. Not only should you discover your gifts today to unify the body, but also start developing your gifts. And Paul tells us in verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This tells us that we need to develop knowledge and become mature. This is only possible if we develop our gifts. We still need to practice them, is basically what he's saying. You can get the most expensive set of golf clubs, but if they just sit in your garage, it's not going to help your game any. Instead, you have to go out and practice with them until you become good at it, until you mature and you develop a good golf swing, practicing your spiritual gifts is the exact same thing. You can get the most expensive set of all-clad cookware, but if you don't practice how to cook, and if you don't practice your recipes, and if you don't use the cookware at all, then it's all useless. In both of these examples, practice makes perfect. And in the same way, your spiritual gifts take practice. To develop their gifts, someone may need your help to prepare for works of service. And in the same way, you may need someone else's help. Similar to how someone may help you prepare and help improve your golf swing or help improve your recipes or your cooking. You know, when Mother Teresa visited Australia several years ago, and I really like because we have a sign on there that says gifted, and some of you guys in the back can't tell, but it's a picture of a lot of gifted people starting from George Fox all the way to Mother Teresa on the right, and her stories always touch me. But when she visited Australia several years ago, a young man was assigned to be her guide during her stay. He was thrilled at the prospect of being so close to such a godly woman, but he became frustrated over time because even though he was constantly near her, he never had the opportunity to talk with her because there was always so many people around her wanting to speak to her and touch her. When the tour was over, she was scheduled to fly to New Guinea, and in desperation, this young man came up with a plan and said to Mother Teresa, if I pay for my own airfare to New Guinea... Can I sit next to you on the plane and just pick your brain and learn from you? Mother Teresa looked at him and asked, You have money for airfare to New Guinea? Oh, yes, he replied eagerly. Then give the money to the poor, she said. You'll learn more from that than anything that I can tell you. You see, many of us would rather experience something rather than do something. We always learn more by doing because our gifts are given to be given. It is important for us to know and be aware of our gifts so that we can put them to proper use. Our focus should not be on naming our gift. Our focus should be on using our gifts in every way so that we can strengthen the faith of others. We don't have the gifts so that we can name them. We have the gifts so that we can use them when we all start to use our spiritual gifts and we identify them and we develop them and we start using our gifts for unity, the result is this beautiful, harmoniously knit, unified, loving body of Christ, one that the outside world can look at and desire not to do so would be a disservice to the calling That you and I have received. Paul tells us in verse 16 that when the whole body works together, the result is a church that is built up in love. Folks, I know that for some of you this morning, this message comes in the midst of pain. It comes in the midst of suffering and in the midst of feeling lost. Perhaps there is no hope and you are feeling helpless at this point. Using your spiritual gifts is probably the last thing on your mind. But I have to tell you that it is in using your gifts that you start to restore hope, that you start to find your way, that you start to find your life in Christ. This message today is about you being uniquely and beautifully made for His purpose and His purpose alone. It's not for you to get rich. It's not for you to enjoy the life with your kid. It is for the glory of God and God Himself. That's why you were created. Can you imagine what we could do for Christ if we all started to use our beautiful gifts? Can you imagine what this church would look like if we all used our gifts to unify each other, our homes, and this community? Could you imagine what an example we would be to the world looking in? As I close, I leave you with the scripture, and I urge you to respond to God's word today by committing to use your gifts as God intended for the benefit of the church and not just self gain and i want to read you these beautiful words that come from the book of peter first chapter i mean first peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11 and it says each one should use whatever, whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering god's grace in its various forms if anyone speaks he should do it as one speaking the very words of god If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Will you pray with me? If you are here this morning and you want to commit to start to discover your spiritual gifts, that you want to commit to start using them today to unify the body, and then you want to start developing, I just want you to repeat this short prayer in your heart after me. But also, if you're here this morning, and you've used these gifts for the ministry before, but for whatever reason walked away, either you got disgruntled or frustrated, or maybe just life happened and you just got too busy, and you want to recommit to using your gifts, then I also want you to repeat this this, this short prayer in your mind. And it just says, Lord, show me the gifts I am to use. Lord, I offer myself and my gifts to be used by your building of others around me. If you repeated that prayer in your heart right now, I'm not going to embarrass you with every eye closed and every head bowed. I just want you to raise your hand so that I could pray for you this week. Praise be to God. You guys may put your hand. Anybody else? Amen. Our Heavenly Father, I come before you, and I just pray for all of these people that you've been speaking to, Father, and also for the people that are already using their gifts today. Lord, I ask that in your name, in the powerful name of Jesus, Father, that you would be able to come before them and that you would be able to lighten their path so that they could step into your will to start using those gifts Father, I ask that they would be evident in their home and that you would unify the home and the church as a result of those people stepping out in faith to serve you, Father. To you be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.